0: Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. With the midterm elections right around the corner, we're going to be talking about voting today. Should a Christian vote? What does the Bible say about that? Well, absolutely a Christian, every Christian should vote. And we're going to prove that to you today through the Word of God. But also, how should a Christian vote? And who should a a, a Christian vote for? We need to understand the values that are expressed in the Bible, in the Word of God, in the commands of God, so that we make sure we're picking the right candidate that we vote for for office, whether state, local, or federal at the federal levels. So listen carefully. Don't Don't close your heart because a topic might um, tweak you a little bit, but listen carefully and accept what the Bible tells us about voting and who to vote for. We're going to be talking about some pretty uh, deep issues as we're faced with another election. How many of you are glad that you get to vote? Anybody glad that you get to vote? All right. Yeah. I'll tell you what, when our kids turned 18, if their their, uh, birthday was anywhere close to the time to vote, guess where they were at? They were at the polls voting. Um, I think we should be overjoyed that we get to vote in this country. Overjoyed. Thrilled. And um, so today... We're going to be looking up. We're, I didn't announce this last Sunday because I didn't even know I was going to do it. <laughs> but we're going to take just a quick one Sunday break from the series that we're going to be starting next Sunday. Um, and we're going to talk about this topic of voting. I voted, here's the title of it I voted according to God's word. What does that mean? I voted according to God's word. What does that mean? And I'm going to start with this question um, Should a Christian vote? should a Christian vote? I'm going to try to keep my opinions out of this and just give you some scriptures so that you as a Christian can determine if you think a Christian should vote or not. We're going to look. Some of these verses don't come just head on at the issue, but they certainly give some insights. Others hit it head on. All right. If you leave out of here thinking that you still shouldn't vote, I don't know how to convince you. But there's my editorial comment. I told you that I wasn't going to do. So here it goes. First Timothy, chapter two, verses one and two. The apostle Paul speaks to Timothy, his spiritual son. He says, first of all, then I urge, urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings should be made for all people, including kings. Well, we don't have a king in this country, so including presidents including governors, including mayor, mayors, including city council members. We should be praying for these people. All right? You don't just, if you disagree with them, you don't stop, pray for, stop praying for them. I'm not going to tell you what my uh, political persuasions are, but you'll probably, by the end of the service, you'll figure that out. But I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter what president is in, is in office. I pray for that man or that woman. I pray for them. And so it says pray for, for kings and for all who are in high positions that, they, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Do you think it's easier to be a Christian when you have an environment where a, a Christian, Christianity is, is, is thriving or in under oppression where you can't worship and serve God? Well, obviously, we're going to thrive when we're in a peaceful and quiet environment where we can live godly and dignified lives in every way. Does that tell us that we should vote as Christians? Well, it's not super clear, but if you're praying for the people that are in leadership and you have a voice, don't you think you should take the opportunity? Well, I'm just using my logic there, but let's read Daniel 2, verse 21. It says, God changes times and seasons. He removes kings, and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. I'll tell you what. A lot of people will say, you know what? Que sera, sera. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So they're fatalists, and they think they have no influence over their future, their destiny. That is absolute hogwash. You have tons of... Of control over your future, and you need to exercise it with God's help. You know, our prayers will literally influence the course of this country. Our prayers will literally influence the course of your family and your own life. If you're not praying, you're missing out on a powerful, influential tool that can make a difference in you and your family's life and in those that you care for. Our voice affects our future. We've got to use it. God did not set up this world, spin it up, and then back take his hands off. No. He has a will and a desire, and it's good for this world, and it's good for this country, and you can play a part in it. If you don't pray, you leave things up to the devil. (laughs) All right? Seriously but if you pray, you leave things up to God. Let's look at this. Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. Now, righteousness is not this intangible, theoretical blob of something that doesn't really mean anything. No. There's righteous words that come out of your mouth. There's righteous actions. There's righteous decisions. And there's righteous politics as well. We want righteousness to be in the rule of our country. We really do. And if you don't want it for you, you should at least want it for your children. Because they're the ones that are going to have to deal with it if we just take our hands off and let things go as, as Things just might naturally happen. Proverbs 29.1, it says, When the righteous thrive, people rejoice. When the wicked rule, people groan. I'm telling you, just look. We were looking at a documentary uh, in China of this man that was persecuted. It just documented a good part of his life until his death. People groan when they're oppressed. Have you ever been oppressed before? Maybe you've had an oppressive relationship, a toxic relationship, and it just makes you groan, or maybe a boss that has you under his or her thumb, and you're miserable. Do you want our country to be like that? No. We want our country to be light, happy, with opportunities abounding, creativity thriving, business thriving, people doing well education opportunities. That's the kind of country I want. I hope that's what you want. A good country. I don't want to be self-destructing in this country as we see happening a lot of times nowadays, unfortunately. But if the wicked rule and people groan, why would you vote for a wicked person? Why would you vote for a wicked person? Or if you had a good person running for office and a bad person, why would you not vote? (laughs) why wouldn't you just go ahead and vote for the good person? Let's look at Deuteronomy one thirteen. Now here's the one that just kind of puts it right there. Should Christians vote? Here Moses tells the Israelites, choose, vote, (laughs) choose some wise, understanding, and respected men from each of your tribes, and I will set them over you. He was telling the Israelites, I'm giving you an opportunity to have a voice in your country, now choose. I'm giving you an opportunity to vote in your country, now vote. Please vote. Please vote. So what I'd like to do today is I would like to take two kings from the Bible. One king was bad, one king was good. And let's look at them and you tell me, would you vote for this person? Or would you vote against this person? All right. So let's just walk through this. One king, by the way, his name was Manasseh. He had a grandson several years later, and he's the second king that we'll look at. So we'll look at Manasseh first, and then King Josiah, his grandson, second. The first uh, king, Manasseh, his story is found in 2 Kings 21, verses 1 through 16. I'm not going to read every single verse. We're just going to highlight the things that would help you decide if you would have voted for this man or not. Now, obviously, back then there was no vote. He was king. But I'm, I want you to pretend like he was a candidate that you would look at today. And then we're going to look at some details. And I promise you today, I'm going to step on every single person's toe in this room, including my own. All right? I'm going to say things that might aggravate you. And here's what I ask could you keep your mind and your hearts open throughout this entire time? It's probably going to last 25 more minutes. Would you just keep your hearts open even when I say something that you don't agree with? All right, just just keep your minds open. But let's start in on Manasseh. Verse 2 of 2 Kings 21, it'll be thrown up here on the screen too. King Manasseh, The first thing that's said about him, (laughs) other than he was very young initially as a king, is he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. All right, That's the very first thing that we know about Manasseh. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. It doesn't say he did evil in the eyes of people, that people liked him or didn't like him, that he was a good guy or he was a bad guy. It just says from God's perspective, he did evil in God's perspective. Now, So often we like to think, you know what? Well, I think of God as a loving God, and I think of God as, you know, I think of God this way and that way, and he's not really harsh. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you think about God (laughs) because God is who God is, and he does what he says he's going to do. And it's silly for us to conjure up an image of God. In fact, that's what I would call idolatry is making up your own God. God is who he says he is. And from God's perspective, this Manasseh guy did evil in his sight. There's no if, ands, then, or buts. It's just that way. We read on. He followed the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites, the Canaanite countries that were there before Israel moved into what they call their promised land, what God called their promised land. Listen to what Manasseh did. He rebuilt the high places. Now, What's an high, a high place? It wasn't always a high place, but generally it was a hilltop that the idol worshipers would use to do their pagan sacrifices up there and, and other many horrible things. Uh, but a high place was basically a place of idol worship, all right? And, and so we could call these places that were anti-God. They were pro uh, a pagan divinity that didn't exist, but they'd kind of conjured up. And, and there they worshiped. They were places of anti-God worship. All right. Remember anti-God, because we're going to use that here in just a second. This king's father's name was Hezekiah. He had destroyed these high places, but Manasseh came and rebuilt these anti-God locations. He also erected altars to Baal, Interestingly enough, I read an article the other day that Baal worship is actually kind of a, a new thing nowadays and kind of chic and cool to, to worship Baal. So it's it's not a thing of the past. It's actually done even today. He also made an Ashra pole, which Ashra was another, another god. And both of these religions included both heterosexual and homosexual uh, uh, cult prostitution. All right? So it, these were really vile uh, religions. There was another God that they worship that we'll talk about called Molech that that we'll talk again here in just a second. And so anyways, uh, this king bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. He built altars in the temple of the Lord. Now, the temple of the Lord was built by Solomon. It was this huge structure in Jerusalem. It stuck out like the most beautiful thing you'd ever seen in Jerusalem. And in that... Temple to the God Almighty, King Manasseh set up altars to other gods in that very temple. And of course, this angered the Lord. And so, and it was said of this temple that, that the Lord said, In Jerusalem, I will put my name. In the two courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. Listen to this He sacrificed his own son in the fire. And this was that God of Moloch that required you to sacrifice. Even nowadays in India, Unfortunately, in in that part of the world, some mothers, as part of their religion, will take their their small children and dump them into the river as a sacrifice to their God. So this this is not something that's so far removed that isn't happening even today, much less abortion. But we'll get to that in just a second. All right, so... um, Here's here's the other things. He sacrificed his own son to the fire. He practiced divination, sought omens, and consulted with mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord and aroused God's anger. He took the carved Asherah pole that he had made and put it in the temple, in the temple of God. Now let's skip down into verse 16. Moreover, Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end. There was violence. Can we, can we kind of associate our country with what was going on then? There was so much blood, he filled Jerusalem from end to end with it. Wow. Would you have voted for him? <laughs> if he came with a little bit of a track record, maybe he's a senator, a congressman, he's running for president, maybe he's running for mayor or city council, would you have voted for this individual? Especially if he promised all of these things to you, would you have voted? I assume we'd all say no. I wouldn't vote for this Manasseh guy. Let's just cover real quick. He was anti-God. He was pro-idolatry. He was in favor of killing innocent babies as he killed his own. He was pro-heterosexual promiscuity. He was pro-homosexuality. He was in favor of the occult and Satanism, and he was pro-violence, just to kind of encapsulate everything right there so that you can kind of see it. So let's just kind of go through and translate his world into our world today. And here's where the toe-stomping starts. (laughs) Please forgive me. Actually, don't forgive me, because as soon as I give my own personal opinion, I'm going to kind of move out behind this so that you know it's just me talking, all right? (laughs) But for now, let's look at this. Anti-God. He was anti-God. Is our country anti-God? Do we have elected people or people that are running for office that are anti-God? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened in the 1960s, but our country went completely haywire and started a set of cataclysmic events that we're still dealing with today. And one of those was saying there's no prayer in in school. There's not going to be any prayer in school. What? Give me a break. This is a free country where students should be able to pray in school. We're anti-God by saying you can't pray in school. All right? What else? Well, now there's censorship of faith-based expression. And it's not all by the government, man. We've got corporations that own Twitter, YouTube, you know, all the social media platforms that are censoring... And be careful with this. It's faith-based expression. Some of it is conservative, yes, but a lot of it's faith-based expression, Christian values that are being censored. Are we an anti-God country? In some ways, yes. All right. Would you vote for a politician who said, I am going to make sure that we're censoring faith-based expression? Well, I hope you wouldn't. Let's move on. We teach the flawed theory of evolution to our students as a replacement to creationism. That's the only reason the theory of evolution is even out there is because somebody came up and said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in creationism. Therefore, I don't know what we've got to come up with, but we've got to come up with something that cannot be scientifically proven that we're going to go ahead and teach all our students that this is the way. Are we anti-God? Yes, we are. Absolutely. In fact, it took us 30 minutes in one sermon to disprove the theory of evolution, scientifically speaking. Do we want our students believing a lie? Come on. No. Of course we don't. Are we anti-God? Yes, we are. And then we have higher higher, uh, institutions of education denying the existence of God, something which cannot be scientifically Philosophically or logically uh, disproven. You can't do it. So why would you say emphatically that something's the case if you can't disprove it in, these, in this fashion? Let's look at idolatry. Now, do we have idolatry in the United States? Do we have idols that people bow down to? Well, yeah, <laughs> we do. Um, without getting into too much detail, you can't pray to a dead person. They're not, they're not listening to you. They can't hear you. They can't hear you. Jesus can hear you. He's the only person who ever died that can listen to your prayers. Why? Because he's been raised from the dead. Amen. And he's on your side if you're on his side. And he's listening to your prayers. All right? Don't pray to a statue, don't pray to an image. Don't worship materialism or celebrity. Be obsessed with celebrities or status or elitism. All of these could be easily idolatry. Do we have this problem in our country? Do we have elected officials? Yes, unfortunately. Killing innocent babies. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. We are absolutely positively in favor of women's rights. (laughs) A woman has control over her body as long as she's not killing some other person's body. As soon as that little baby is conceived, it has its rights as well. And I shouldn't be calling it it because it's a he or a she has its rights. There I go again. His or her rights as well. So yes to women's health. Yes to their rights. But yes to that infant's rights. Every bit as much. And I'll tell you what. If you've had an abortion, if you've gone through the trauma of abortion, Jesus loves you. He loves you, and all I ask is if you've gone through that or have a friend that's gone through that and they're feeling condemned or bad and they don't want to hear this message, tell them Jesus loves them, and he wants to heal your emotions. He wants to forgive you, and he wants to set you on the right path. We've all messed up in some form or fashion. What about heterosexual promiscuity? Well, I'll tell you, if I, if I had a president or a mayor or a governor who's had an affair while they were in office, would I vote for them again? No, I'm not going to. Because their moral failures are going to affect the city or the state or the county or the country that I live in, and I don't go for that. I want want an example of a man or a woman who's faithful to their spouse leading my city, my county, my state, being a congresswoman or, 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 or a senator, Yes, absolutely. Is that important? You bet it's important. You bet it's important. Uh Uh-oh, we're on homosexuality now. (laughs) I always say this, and I always will. You'll hear it over and over again. I have many good gay friends. I work closely and have worked closely with transgenders. I am not a homophobe, (laughs) and you shouldn't be either. So what about LGBTQ rights? Well, let's take this in two parts first. Everybody should have rights. The rights that are in our Constitution are more than adequate for anybody. No matter your sexual preference, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your socioeconomic standing, we all have the rights that are established in the constitutions. We don't need any more rights than, are, than what are there. There's no reason to elevate a group of people or or push down and oppress a group of people. We are in this country, theoretically, all equals according to the Constitution. There shouldn't be any specific more rights for any other group of people. And I'll tell you this. I'll lay it on the line right now. I don't think Christians should have more rights than other people in this country. There shouldn't be Christian rights. The Constitution's enough for us. There shouldn't be islamic or muslim rights there shouldn't be racial or or ethnic rights that are different and there shouldn't be lgbtq rights either we have the same rights for all of us and that is more than enough in fact the four the four things that charter americans expressly wanted and we had a a a sermon on this was equality Right? To life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, safety, and freedom. You got that? That's a lot of good rights. We don't need anything more than that. The problem is we lo- start looking at equality, and we start talking about money. Hey, I should have the same insurance that that person. I, I want taxpayer dollars to go get me a sex change. Or I want, I want the Pentagon to fly me to a state where I can get an abortion. That is not equality. That's not what this is talking about. That's entitlement, and that's a totally different issue. But you know what? My opinion on homosexuality and on any other subject is meaningless, and so is yours. (laughs) The only person that has any bearing on the subject of right here, homosexuality, is God. He's the only one. And whatever I think and want to twist and Change and, and I want to look on the Internet and see what is what is a gay Christian or or, you know, what, what does God think? You're going to find all kinds of garbage on the Internet. So if you're looking for something that's going to keep you you're in the right direction. Don't look there <laughs> because it's inundated with false information. So what does God think? Well, it's very clear in the Bible And let me tell you what, it takes so much to twist the Bible to get it to say something different. It's it's ridiculous. But 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. And I would be remiss if a pastor of a church, if I didn't tell you what God's truth is. Not what my opinions are, but what God's truth is. And it's this. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? What, Steve? Wrongdoers? You mean there's people... There is right and wrong? First of all, you'd say, well, yes, there's right and wrong. Are there moral absolutes? Absolutely, there's moral absolutes. Is there truth and values that don't change through from century to century? Absolutely. You can't be progressive and throw out something that's worked because God makes it work. Let's read on. Do not be deceived, the Bible says. Neither the sexually immoral... Okay, it's, It lists out a bunch of people, or not people, but a lot of things here. A lot of wrongdoings here. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. And then it doesn't say homosexuals. It goes ahead and gives the graphic depiction so that there's no questions, <laughs> and, and nothing can go over your head. It says, nor men who have sex with men. I mean, all right, it's there. And in another scripture, it talks about the, the female temptations on, 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 uh, on that as well. So nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's not my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. And neither does yours. I hate to say it. What does God say? That's what counts. That's what counts. Well, what else? Manasseh was into the occult, into Satanism. <laughs> and here goes, Berman. Finally, I'm using this, all right? Berman showed this to me uh, two months ago. And now it's all over social media. It's in the news. But throw this up. Um, there's this, this show, this new show on FX called Little Demons. And I looked. I looked at the like the ex- explanation of what it is, like, you know, any movie, what it's about, whatnot. So let me read it to you. After being impregnated, this is a cartoon for children, all right, Just so everybody knows. Cartoon for little kids, all right? After being impregnated by the devil, a reluctant mother and her Antichrist daughter attempt to live an ordinary life in Delaware. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And Disney is behind this unbelievable. I'm telling you, is our our country anti-God? Yeah. Is is there aspects of our country that's for God? Yes, praise God. Yes, as well. It's not all bad, but this kind of stuff is happening. And mothers and fathers, you need to protect your children until they're out of your house. (laughs) all the way out of your house and then you need to pray your head off for them that they continue to be strong in their faith in God. He was also pro violence? Well, let's let's drag that into our situation. And probably I need to start stepping out here cuz I'm going to give my opinions cuz this is what it is. But legalizing drugs, are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you joking, legalizing drugs, and making that a fiscal argument? Oh, it's bringing in tax dollars and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and you know what? Now we'd have to put people in jail, so our, our you know legal enforcement is going to go to... Are you out of your ever-living mind? I lived in Spain, and in 1987, they legalized a very small amount of marijuana and, and some other drugs that were coming across the border from, from Africa, The violence went through the ceiling in six months. I had never been held up. I was 17 years old. Never been held up on the public, you know, metro system and buses. In six months, I was held up five times, several times at knife point. Why? Because everybody's high. (laughs) That's why. All right. Are we going to have more car wrecks if we legalize drugs? Yes, we're going to have more car wrecks. Are people going to die because of this? Yes. Do do lesser drugs lead to more uh, more uh, you know hard drugs? Absolutely, they do. Are we out of our minds legalizing drugs? Are we going to have more violence in our country than we've ever seen before if we legalize drugs? Yes. Just go to Denver. Go out to California. Go out to some of these places. You're going to see more violence. You're going to see more homelessness. You're going to see potheads that can't get a job because they don't have enough oomph in them to get up and go to work. I'm serious. As a Christian, we got to use logic, too. All right. Sorry. Soapbox. Defunding police. Are we going to have more violence if you defund your police? $100 million defunding in Austin, Texas. Is Austin, Texas going to have some troubles? Yes, they are. (laughs) <laughs> that just blows my mind violent video games Are you, if you're, if you're sending, spending four hours a day shooting people on your screen eventually it's going to get to you <laughs> it just is I mean disgusting entertainment racial divisiveness and activism I hate racism I hate it with a passion I cannot stand racism But we don't need to stir the pot either. I mean, you you know, this country was wrong having slavery. Absolutely wrong. You know what? A bunch of people lost their lives in the Civil War to make it right. Is there still racism in our country today? Yes, there is. Does it need to be gotten rid of? Absolutely. Is stirring the pot going to make it better? Absolutely not it's going to make it worse. Absolutely worse. It's causing violence. Now, I'm really going to get way over here. <laughs> all right. I bought a gun several years ago. I don't know how to shoot. I didn't I mean, I know how to pull a trigger and the safety and all of that. But I don't know that much about guns, all right? I Yeah, I got out there. I wasn't sure how to put the bullet in. <laughs> you know? Uh, Took a class, gun safety class. But literally, I went in, bought the gun, and walked out. I don't know how to use a gun very much. Is that smart? Probably not. (laughs) Do I want the country, the, the government to control, you know, everybody's guns? No, I don't. I don't think that's good either. But I'll tell you what, we need to probably be a little bit more careful in that area. My opinion, all right? Everybody has a slightly different opinion on this one, all right? But let me tell you what. Gun control is not going to keep the guns out of the bad guy's hands. <laughs> so there, I'm done with gun control. All right. Let me, let me mention one more. Political rhetoric. And I, there's another one. This is another one people have woo, vast, vast different feelings about. Our politicians should be very careful how they say things. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you can, you can start World War III without meaning to. And so I, I think that, but I'll tell you what. When a politician is passionate about something, they should be able to talk about it. They should be able to talk about it and talk clearly about it and straight about it and elicit the passions of those that are listening to them. All right? So there's a there's a huge balance to be to be struck there. Let's look at the second king though. Have I lost anybody? Is anybody never going to come back to church again? <laughs> never. <Ooh. laughs> Was that you, Lee? Oh. <laughs> all right. Okay. And I'm sorry. This this uh, message is kind of rated PG-13. But anyways, um, all right, Josiah. So several years later. So Manasseh had a son named Ammon. He was king for a couple of years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He was actually assassinated by his children. And then Josiah took over as king. Now let's see if we'd vote for Josiah. I'm in verse 2 of Second Kings 23. And look at what Josiah did. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant. That would be the equivalent to the, the Bible. Most likely the first five books of the Bible at that time. And uh, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood at the pillar, and who, who read the Bible, by the way? The king himself was reading it to all the people. I, you know, I crack up whenever politicians quote a scripture, especially if they quote it wrong. It's really funny because you can tell they're trying to just worm their way into the evangelical vote. But, um, but I, at the same time, I like it when politicians quote scripture. It's, there's something powerful about that. And so that's exactly what, what King Josiah did. He did it in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, statutes, and decrees with all his heart, with all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. As the leader of a country goes, so goes the country. You, you can't do anything about it. It's just that way. We have the opportunity to vote the right person into office so that our country will go in the right direction so that we'll go in the right direction. What an opportunity. The king, Josiah, he ordered the high priest and the priest next in rank and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. And he burned them outside of Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests. In verse 6, then he took the Asher poles from the temple of the Lord into the Kidron Valley outside of Jerusalem, and he burned it there. <laughs> this guy was hardcore. Did he have political rhetoric that probably takes some people off? You bet he did. You bet he did. I'll tell you what. When a person gets fed up, they're going to start talking pretty harshly, and it's because they're torqued. They're tired of it. They're tired of the silliness. And so was Josiah. He ground it into powder and scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. I'm not totally sure of the significance of that one, but it seems pretty, pretty, uh, you know, serious. <laughs> he tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes that were in the temple of the Lord. He was on fire, man. <laughs> he was going all the way, and he wasn't looking back. All right? He desecrated Torpheth, which is in the valley of Ben Hinnon, so that no one could sacrifice their daughter or son uh, in the fire of Molech. And I don't want to get graphic here, so I'm not going to, but I could describe the area outside the city walls. They basically carved into a rock and made a, a, uh, an altar there, and they did this gruesome stuff. It's terrible, unbelievable but no different than aborting a baby in a mother's womb that we do today. No different. Tragic. The king also desecrated the high places. Remember we talked about where all the idol worship were there, the anti-God activities? In verse 14, jo- jo- uh, excuse me, Josiah smashed the sacred stones, cut down the asherah poles, and covered the sites with human bones. Wow, that's pretty... Pretty graphic as well. I'll tell you what: if you want to, if you want an interesting book, read the Bible. <laughs> You'll read all kinds of stuff in the Bible. It is not boring in the least. Just start reading it. Then, in verse twenty-four, Josiah got rid of the mediums and spiritists and the household gods. Do you think I would ever, you know? Let's rent out that room back there for uh, a yoga studio. All right, and then. Sunday night, we're going to have a, we're going to watch the Harry Potter Harry Potter Potter movies, and then I'm also going to have a a palm reader out in the front there, if you need your future spoken to you as well, would I ever do that in this church? No, I'm not, and if you heard some, you put yoga in with palm readers, yes I did, (laughs) yes I did, you need to be very careful with what you do. And understand the roots of everything that you do. Because many of them have stronger meanings than you could ever dream of. All right, so who would you vote for? Would you vote for this Josiah guy? I would, but that's just me. Um, You know, in Philippians 3:20, it says, our citizenship is. Is in heaven. Yes, I'm, I'm an American citizen. I love my country. I want my country to prosper. I want to I die in this country. I want my kids to grow up in this country. But ultimately, I'm a citizen of heaven. And I'm more concerned what my King Jesus thinks than what anybody else thinks in this world. My King is Jesus, and I'm following him. He is real. He is alive. He He's sacrificed everything for me. I want to sacrifice for him as well. Just as I'm willing to sacrifice for this country. I'm telling you, some of the things that I've said today, if they fell into, and this is going to get recorded, put out on the SoundCloud, you know, someday I'm probably going to get in trouble for being so open. But you know what? Everybody else is open. Why can't Christians be open as well? Why can't we take a stand and say, you know what? Enough is enough. We're not going to continue down this path. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to start speaking my mind about the things that I've learned from the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you look at both of these kings, they were both aggressive. <laughs> One was aggressive for evil. The other was aggressive for good. And when you have a politician, a not an imperfect politician, and he or she stands up and starts getting aggressive... You still need to support them. They're doing the right thing by being aggressive for standing up for truth. It's not wrong for a politician who believes something, and especially if it's a good something, to stand up and say something about it and also attack the, the others who are standing up just as, as strongly for evil. Come on. Absolutely. I love what David Gibbs III, he's the president of the National Center for Life and Liberty. He says, if it's wrong, fight it. If it's right, fight for it. Either way, we need to be in the fray. We need to be fighting, fighting for what's right.